0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, it is Friday, so I am only bringing good news and positive vibes to the table to send us off into another quarantine weekend On the right note, we have two pieces of news, two headlines surrounding the Titans over the last 24 hours that we have to get into before the weekend. So both of those are positive developments, so we should have a good conversation about those to start the show, and then we will jump into the second part of our conference call Madness. We listened to General Manager John Robinson's highlights yesterday, and today we are going to take in. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel's highlights from his conference call and hear everything he had to say about the team so far some of the roster moves and some of the new players and how the roster stands right now so a lot of good tidbits in Mike Vrabel's conference call that we are going to get into, and then we are going to get into the Friday mailbag, and I will answer some of your guys' questions before we head off and end the show for the week. So I'm really excited to get into everything with you guys, some good pieces of news, an excellent conference call from head coach Mike Vrabel, and then an awesome mailbag to cap off the week and send us into the weekend, right? Ready to dive into everything with you guys. Let's get it. Superstar running back Derrick Henry has officially signed his franchise tag tender, meaning he will play the 2020 season on a one year. 10.2 10.2 million dollar contract unless the Titans organization and Henry's representation are able to agree to a long-term extension by July the 15th and July the 15th is the deadline set by the NFL for franchise tag players to agree to a long-term deal with their teams before they are forced to play out the season on the one-year franchise tag. Now this is a good sign for the Titans. It means that Derrick Henry does not intend to hold out, and that's something that we saw recently with Steelers former running back Le'Veon Bell in 2016 when he sat out the entire regular season and did not sign his franchise tag tender. So Henry will avoid any situation with a holdout there. Also, this is a show and a sign of good faith by Henry's side of things to the Titans organization that they are interested in getting a long-term deal done and their feathers aren't ruffled by receiving the franchise tag. Also, this makes sense for Henry financially as the new collective bargaining agreement that was just agreed to by the owners and the Players Association has much more punitive language surrounding holdouts, especially holdouts around franchise tags. So, Henry would lose a lot more money and put himself in a much more vulnerable situation if he did not sign his franchise tag tender. Now, From both sides, it does seem like contract negotiations are going positively, even though General Manager John Robinson, in his most recent public appearance on a conference call, did say that the Titans and Henry are still a little bit of ways away and that long-term extension talks won't really take place and heat up until the summertime, Henry and Robinson and head coach Mike Rabel have all spoke very glowingly about each other and about the prospect of returning and reaching a long-term marriage between both sides. So it does seem like Things are on a positive trajectory for the Titans and Derrick Henry, reaching a long-term extension to keep Henry in Nashville as the focal point of the Titans' offense and the Titans' team in general going forward into the future. And for our second piece of news, so I told myself that I would back off a little bit on the Clowny updates because who knows when he's going to sign. The rumors go up and down, in and out, but unfortunately I just can't stay away from the circus. So I wanted to update you guys on the most recent Clowny information and going along with John Robinson's conference call and Mike Vrabel's conference call, they both were very open and spoke very highly of Jadavian Clowney, and uh, John Robinson was basically just admitting that they're continually having contract conversations with Clowney, and they've reached out to his representation. Uh, Mike Vrabel talked very highly about Jadavian Clowney, his work ethic, and we're going to hear that today. So the Titans are in bed with Clowney, and it would seem irresponsible for me to ignore everything that we've heard in the past 24 hours. And, and the big piece of news was, again, from Diana Russini, who's been all over this Jadavian Clowney story, but basically... What she had to report was that Clowney has come off that $20 million mark for his contract. He's now looking to be around $17 to $18 million. And the last note was that the Titans and the Seahawks were both still interested. Now, both of those teams, the Titans and the Seahawks, have made moves here recently to add pieces to... To Their roster which make you question whether or not they're still interested but according to this report both of those teams are still battling it out and right now based on the projections it looks like the Titans have about 25 million dollars in cap room so they most certainly still have the ability to bring the clown to town. But that is going to do it for our Friday news dump here. We are going to get into Mike Vrabel's conference call. And, of course, the audio is courtesy of TitansOnline.com. And we will come back with that next. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast.
0: we got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league.
1: Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On is a great way for your local business to reach passionate fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants a way to connect with Titans fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get a team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Let's get into head coach Mike Vrabel's conference call, audio courtesy of TitansOnline.com First, Vrabel talks about how he's making sure that players are getting work done and how to integrate new players.
0: I don't worry. Um, I don't have concern about what these players are going to look like physically. I, I believe that, that self motivation is the core uh, to any team success, and, and I and I know and I'm positive that we have self motivated players uh, that will be doing whatever they possibly can right now. And, and we're we'll also whenever we get them back and and we see them physically in our building, whenever that may be. Um, Todd and Frank and I have already talked about, you know, making sure that there's some level of evaluation or physical evaluation that we're just not throwing these guys in. Um, I know that the health of the team is the most important thing. Um, some guys will have access to to more um, in home equipment, or or maybe they they own a gym. That they're the only, you know, I mean, whatever the situation may be. But we're going to be conscious of of what their level is when they come back in. Um, we're also working through what that may look like to, to, to remote or digital or virtual learning to try to make sure that our coaches are the best possible teachers in this time um, and, and making sure that our players can have access to the information that we would normally present them with uh, when we get back to the offseason program, whatever that may be.
1: How does he plan on motivating new outside linebacker Vic Beasley?
0: Well, I mean that—that's that, our job is to have a vision for the player and, and coach them and, and hold them to a standard um, that's expected of of our players. Um, and I'm not—I don't—I'm not, don't, not going to comment on on what was done or what wasn't done in Atlanta. Uh, we're focused on moving forward. You know, with Vic, with, with, with a skill set that we like, with a player that can that can run and has some speed, uh, some, some explosiveness some versatility we believe um you know and then that's you know that's what i'll do that's what shane will do that's what, that's what matt edwards will do and you know, there'll be a lot of people involved in in helping him still continue to develop and and try to find a role for us and, and ultimately help us win
1: how versatile are recent signings nick de zubnar and ty sambrillo
0: well you know and I, I think it's important when you talk about you know special teams or that position that you're referencing Nick, um, you know we're we're gonna coach him like he, he's gonna be in a he's gonna be in a linebacker meeting and and obviously he he's gonna have to to be able to go in the game much like all our other players that are that are gonna be a backup and that's probably where he's gonna start you know he's probably gonna start out as a as a backup linebacker but um that that you can't just be a special teams player you don't you don't have enough roster spots and I know that they're gonna expand some of that stuff but. That's what they do, and if somebody goes down, and my, my guess is that the best ones that we've had, um, whether that be in Houston or, or here, are guys that can can go in there and play both spots. You know, they're, they're they're a premier special teams player, and that's their first role. But they can also, you know, back up at either inside linebacker spot, um, and and so we coach him as such. You know, I don't think we can paint him as. Hey, you're you're never going to go in the game as a linebacker, whether he's gotten that opportunity or not. Um, my thought process and, and our coaches will be that you know we'll we'll coach him and he'll he'll learn our defense and and we'll see just like everybody else what that looks like when he gets out there. Ty is a versatile player um, who's played guard in this league, played tackle in this league, and so those are you know scheme fits that, that's familiar with the system and uh, somebody that we looked at last year. Um, potentially, but it didn't end up working. So we know know where he's been and and what he can do. And so I think there's some versatility up there that we uh, covet when we talk about being able to play more than one position.
1: Thoughts on Jadavian Clowney's health and work ethic.
0: You know, first, obviously the health issue. Um, That's not for me to decide. I I know that when I I coached J.D., J.D. was prepared. Uh, We did a lot with him. We had a lot of injuries uh, one year. We put him in a lot of different places to try to help him uh, help us affect the game. Um, And then um, he played extremely hard. You know, he played extremely hard. um, And I'm not sure if he missed any games that year or not. But, um, you know, we put him in a lot of different places. We asked him to do a lot. um, And and he did do a lot for us, um, you know. And so... I've never had an issue with, with any of JD's effort um, on the field.
1: Rabel speaks on backup quarterback Logan Woodside. It,
0: that, that's, um, that's how you you know you have to build again, confidence is built through through routine um, performances over a set extended uh, period of time. Um, you know, the, the body of work that we have for Logan is, is through the preseason and through practices. But his grasp As watched him prepare um, while he was on injured reserve last year, watch him prepare mentally. I was very impressed with that, which is something that uh, for a young player you, you you have concern about sometimes, is can he stay engaged? Um, but this was a player that was that was rehabbing while he was um, on injured reserve, stayed locked in, stayed focused in the meetings, and he was ready on the game plan. You know, Pat would meet with him at the end of the week, like he was going to to play a football game, which I thought was great. Uh, And they they have a a really good relationship. And and Arthur would obviously spend a lot more time uh, with with, um, Ryan and and Marcus. But from a mental standpoint, we we try to prepare Logan like he was gonna go play a football game, even though he was rehabbed. And so now, you know, we'll see what he looks like physically when we can get him back out there throwing. And then, uh, and then we'll make decisions. But that you know, whoever ends up being being on the roster, that we have full confidence in uh, that they can go out there and do their job.
1: Assessing the current edge group.
0: Well, we have some guys that have played and made plays in this league. I think there's some versatility. I think we have some young guys that we, we wanted to work with and did work with, but um, we'll have an opportunity to continue to work with. Whether that's uh, you know Reggie Gilbert hasn't played a whole lot of uh, plays for us, but. Certainly showed, excuse me, flashes of things that we we like. Um, you know, Roberson um, showed flashes, and then obviously um, trying to get um, DeAndre Walker back healthy. Those are three younger bodies. You know, two guys going in their second year, one guy, you know, going into his fourth year. But then other guys that have played, a, you know, a lot of football for us. You know, Harold's played a lot of football, and Kamalay's played a lot of football for us. Um you know, we'll have to get Vic brought up to speed um, uh, as soon as we can and, and, and as always with any player as much as they can handle that's what we'll give them and if they can handle that and they prove to be proficient in, in the things that we've asked them to do uh, then we'll look to give them some more um, and, and then Josh Smith a, a guy that we signed back um, a, a local guy that in his short time with us um, showed that that he had some of the skills needed to to play the position and that we wanted to continue to work with him.
1: In my opinion, the best snippet from Mike Vrabel's conference call is his answer to how Jeffrey Simmons can move into the Jarrell Casey role. Also, just talks a little bit about the multiplicity up front from defensive linemen.
0: I mean, I think that's obviously um, the transition that we hope and that would be the plan um, to be able to uh, expand Jeffrey's role, um, moving into his second year, and um, we are excited that that he's feeling better, that he's doing well, and that he continues to work with with Todd um, and Frank per the NFL guidelines as it relates to to players that are rehabbing, and that's kind of where we see you know Jeffrey moving in that direction. So that's um, that, that's all going to play out once we get back here but and those are, that's a position that he knows and, and rotated at and then played some at but and I think you'd, you'd obviously like to have him on the field more than you'd... Yeah, I don't want to um, undermine what, what a one technique and a three technique is but one guy is shaded on the guard and one guy is shaded on the center so yeah, I think that when you talk about you know, I, I don't think there's as many double teams as what maybe there was 10 years ago. Um, they still occur with, with both the shade and three, and, and I think that he has done that. Uh, both of those guys, we, we always look at those guys, and some guys are going to have to play over the center. Some guys are going to have to kick to the guard based on their front, our front, or what their formation is, or what their motion is, and, and our adjustment. So. You know, there will be times where the nose may be in a three technique and, and you're wondering why, and just the same way as a three te- or the tackle is going to be in the shade sometimes.
1: Vrabel talks about leadership on the football team after losing so many key veterans.
0: I'm going to try to say, like, leadership, um, you know, I know that our guys are out there and they're in communication. I'm in communication with our, with our players to make sure that their health and their family's health and safety uh, sport is at the forefront. Um, but, yeah, I've thought about what maybe some of these virtual meetings would look like and would like to empower those players at that position to, to come up with the time that they'd like to have the coach available, uh, let's say from 7 in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You, know, you got guys on the East Coast, you got guys on the West Coast, and would love to empower the players at that position to come up with the time that they'd like to meet. Our coaches are going to be available. I'm going to be available. Uh, so that would be the first way I think, Paul, is to try to empower those players at that position to. to again, I'm, I'm I'm speculating that that we're going to start the off-season program remotely and um, what what that may look like. So that would be the first thing would be to to have those players at that position. Um, they'll come come up with the time that they would like to to meet.
1: And finally, Rabel gives an update on defensive play-calling responsibilities.
0: No, not yet. I'm um, you know, still, still obviously, um, you know, processing a lot of that information in a in role that I want to play. And um, you know, I, I love our staff. I'm excited about our staff. Our conversations in the morning to get the, the playbook exactly how we want it. Uh, to find out what we what we did well and, and continue to do that, and then you know. What we needed, what we don't need, how much is too much, uh, in the book. And so that's, uh, that's kind of what we're doing now. And, and we'll, we'll have somebody call it. and, uh, you know, I, I just need to continue to work through that process and, and figure out, you know, what my involvement, um, is going to be and to, to what extent.
1: That wraps up the highlights from Head Coach Mike Vrabel's conference call. We are going to jump into our Friday mailbag next. Let's cap off the week and head into the weekend as we always do with a Friday mailbag. Now, it's a little bit of a light week. Got about five questions to go over. So, make sure that you guys are getting in your mailbag questions to me at Titans on Twitter as soon as possible so that we are ready to go for next week. But I will start with a question from Rex Green. Basically just asked me to choose between AJ Espinesa and Yater Gross Matos out of Penn State. Espinesa out of Iowa, of course. They both are tweeners, not exactly Outside linebackers, not exactly defensive tackles. They could probably play a five technique in a base three, four, and maybe rush from the interior and rush off the edge in certain situations. But if I had to pick between the two, I would take Gross Matos. I think he has just a little bit more upside, a little bit more burst to him. So that would be my selection out of those two. And I think that it's possible that both of those guys could be options for the Titans at 29 in the draft. My next question comes from Brett Soule. He asked, if you could relive any Titans game, go back and relive it, what Titans game would it be? And for me, it was between two different games that I both thought were absolutely excellent. And I think that they would be even better to watch in person just because of the way things played out. And the choice came down to me between the 2016 game against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. Ryan Suckup on the Arrowhead at Arrowhead, that had to be absolutely awesome to enjoy live. So if I could relive any game and go back and actually be there, that would be a choice. But the other one, and what I'm ultimately going to go with, is the Eagles game from 2018, the Corey Davis walk-off in overtime. That game was so exciting to watch, back and forth, non-stop, and then at the very end, the Eagles scored in overtime, got a field goal up, and the Titans come back. Corey Davis jumping up over the Eagles secondary as Marcus lobbed the ball into the air. I mean, what an absolute barn burner, and being in Tennessee, and how the crowd exploded, and all of the Eagles fans that were there I just think reliving that game and actually being there in person would be such a joy. Just absolutely incredible. I was in person for DeMarco Murray's walk-off against the Bengals in, I believe, 2017. It's all blurring together now. But walk-off wins and having a, a football game end at the buzzer or with one play, a walk-off like Corey Davis's or even you know the other choice, the field goal from Ryan Suckup, Those games are just the games that you want to be there in person to experience that moment with all of those different people. So I'm going to go with the Eagles game from 2018, the overtime walk-off from Corey Davis, and I will have a close second with that Kansas City game from 2016. The next two questions both come from AJ's Blonde Dot, On Twitter doesn't actually have his name in his handle or you know his name on there so AJ's blonde dot one of the more creative better names than all of Titans Twitter really enjoy that but his first question was just my general thoughts on Logan Woodside as QB2 for the Titans and I think John Robinson spoke to that in his conference call that they're going to bring in competition for Logan Woodside, whether that is signing a veteran free agent or whether that is going with a late round draft pick and and letting them compete. So I feel just like John Robinson. I am willing to to see Logan Woodside compete. If he wins the competition and proves to be the best possible backup candidate, then yeah, I think it'd be a a good idea to roll with him as a cheap option. But if he gets beat out by a rookie or a veteran, well, then there's a reason that he got beat. So let's just wait and see and see what we get in training camp in the preseason from Logan Woodside. His second question is one of my favorite ones here. And it is, what are my three favorite draft picks from the John Robinson era? And for me, it is... Actually pretty easy. Uh, number one is Jayon Brown. Uh, as a fifth-round selection, Jayon Brown has turned into one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the NFL and part of one of the best inside linebacker groups in the NFL with Rashawn Evans as well. And being a fifth-round pick, the type of value that Jayon Brown has given this football team. And I just enjoy his personality. I know that we you know, really don't know these guys personally don't know them as individuals but from the things I have picked up from Jayon Brown his interest his demeanor on camera his demeanor with his teammates in my opinion he's just uh, my favorite draft pick and, and person on the team so far as just a guy and then my favorite actual player to watch out on the field is third round draft pick the mayor of Murfreesboro Kevin Byard I mean Byard has become one of the best safeties in the NFL, has been the highest paid safety in the NFL, leads the NFL in interceptions since he's come into the league. So Kevin Byard is is definitely the best draft pick of the John Robinson era, and that's my opinion, but it's also just a fact. He's a third-round draft pick who became the best safety in the NFL. That, I mean, that takes the cake, even though Derrick Henry is... Been absolutely fantastic, and we'll see what A.J. Brown becomes, and Adoree's been pretty solid. And like I mentioned, Jayon already, Rashawn and Harold could all be good. I, I get it, but, I mean, you can't, you can't say anything different than Kevin Byard's the best draft pick of the John Robinson era. And then to round off the question, my third favorite draft pick right now has to be A.J. Brown. I mean, Titans fans and the fan base are just so starved for a good wide receiver who's entertaining, has some moxie and, you know, get some national buzz. I, I can't act like that's not something that, that matters for a team. You know, the, the national impact that you have for a franchise is, is super important. And AJ Brown was a big part of the Titans kind of changing the narrative around the franchise last year. And he'll need to continue to keep that up. But those are my three. Favorite draft pick so far of the John Robinson era. And then my last question of the mailbag comes from Sean Salvatore. He basically wants me to go back and and create an alternate ending for the Super Bowl loss to the Rams to give us a, a, a positive moment to end the show. And just imagine for me, if you will, close your eyes and see Kevin Dyson shaking off the tackle spinning free, breaking the plane of the end zone with the football, and the Titans score, making it 23 to 22. But here's where I really want to change things up. The Titans elect to not go for the field goal. The Rams have an explosive offense and with the NFL's overtime rules at the time, if the Rams were to get the ball to start overtime, they would have had a chance to go down kick a field goal and that be the end of the game. So the Titans Take the ball out of the explosive greatest show on turf Rams offense and try to take matters into their own hands. The Titans line up for the two-point conversion. Steve McNair under center. Eddie George single back. The Titans are in three wide. Kevin Dyson to the right by himself. Derek Mason all the way to the left. Steve McNair calls Hike. It's a pass play. He's trying to find check over the middle at the back of the end zone. He's unable to do so. He scrambles to his right. He sees Kevin Dyson fake inside, dart outside, tries to find Dyson on the end zone boundary, is unable to do so. He's approaching the line of scrimmage, The Rams linebackers are gaining steam. Steve McNair decides at the very last moment to take matters into his own hands. He dives for the end zone, reaches the ball across the pylon, and breaks the plane. Scores a two-point conversion, and the Titans win the 1999 Super Bowl (sighs) 24-23. We can only imagine. But that is going to do it for me on today's Locked on Titans episode. Make sure that after you are done listening to this, you go check out the Locked On NFL podcast. There is a lot of general national NFL news going on. Make sure you are all caught up to date on that as well. But as always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked On Titans.